Welcome to The Stare Down, sports talk and real estate with Sean Carpenter of Coldwell Banker in Columbus, Ohio, Bill Rissa of Fidelity National Title in Tampa, Florida, and Todd Meininger of Cummins, Georgia. Listen in as they discuss the week in sports and toss in a pinch of real estate too. Now your hosts, Sean, Todd and Bill. Hey, greetings, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Staredown. It's a special halftime edition. Well, not really. It's a third quarter edition. But this is Sean Carpenter in Columbus, Ohio, joined by my regular co-hosts, Bill Risser in St. Pete, Florida, Todd Meininger in Cumming, Georgia. We are coming to you on Sunday night in the middle of game two of the NBA Finals, game between Cleveland Cavaliers and the Golden State Warriors. We're going to cover game one in this chat, but first let's find out how our co-hosts are doing. Bill, what's going on, man? How was your week? A uh, good week down, very busy with the uh, Fidelity National Title down here in St. Petersburg and having a nice weekend. Had a chance to um, actually play a little golf, like we always talk about. And yesterday was uh, a nice day with Cindy. We went to a movie. We did a lot of walking, enjoyed the weather. The rain uh, went away. We had a nice rainy week, but uh, beautiful weekend here. How about you, Todd? Oh, fantastic. Thanks for asking. Uh, Bill, I guarantee it wasn't a sad movie you went to yesterday because you know liking sad movies, right? No, we actually saw the uh, RGB, which is the Ruth Bader Ginsburg documentary. Nice. Very interesting. Yeah, we like docs and indie stuff, and it's a very interesting life she's lived. And she's 85 and still going strong. So it's uh, watching her, watching an 85-year-old RBG work out in a gym with her trainer was pretty cool. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Well, um, yeah, uh, great week work-wise. Uh, ended up uh, saving a big deal. I think I texted you guys, so that was fantastic. And then uh, on a personal level, you referenced RGB being 85. Um, my mom turned 81 today, so wow. uh, great, great news. And she seems uh, happy. And uh, on, a, on the sports side, uh, my son Scott uh, played in a lacrosse tournament this weekend. And um, – Absolutely rolled yesterday. We're 3-0 going into the, the, uh, the tournament play. And uh, limped out of the gate today, and uh, it hit me that it was amazing that through three easy wins, you learn nothing. But through one, uh, one loss, you can, you can learn a lot. And the coaches uh, said all the right things and pointed out uh, they were taking things for granted and not playing hard, and they ended up finishing strong and finishing third. So good weekend. And, um, of course, Kate, sibling of the year. She was there all five games, um, hanging out with me. So good, good family weekend and uh, happy birthday, mom. Nice. Well, happy birthday to Joni and uh, congrats to Scott's team for the third place finish. How many teams were in the tournament, Scott or Todd? So so like, uh, like probably baseball similar. So they do pool play um, on Saturdays and then they divide you to brackets. So the good news is they were in the A bracket and there's probably, you know, D, E, F brackets but they finished third out of the fourth in their bracket because they lost the first game. So when I say finished third, it means they finished third. They won the bronze. They won the bronze, yeah. But they were in the A, quote-unquote, A bracket because they had a successful Saturday. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, um, no, it does. Yeah, yeah. that's oh, it's, it's almost It's almost as complicated as your EPL talk, but that's all right. We're, we're, oh, we're getting gosh. better. Yeah. <laughs> I need a filter and, for sure. And speaking of, speaking of lacrosse, while we're on the topic, can, congrats and shout-out to my alma mater, Upper Arlington High School Golden Bears girls team. They won their fourth straight uh, lacrosse state championship, uh, finished 33 and O, um, or sorry, 25 and O, uh, the, this graduating senior class has never lost a state championship. 
Everyone on that team has ended the season with a state championship. So, do they have any uh, losses, Sean? Have they? Do they have losses? Uh, they they have lost in the last three years, but not this year. This this wow. season they were undefeated. They played a team from our uh, from another Central Ohio team who had only lost one time this year, and that was to us, uh, and they lost again. So, um, does what do they learn, Todd? <laughs> Uh, that life peaks at high school, I think. <laughs> <laughs> that it won't continue in college. Is that what you're saying? Oh gosh, there, there's only the few, right? Um, yeah. I always reference Chipper Jones. Um, he's a guy. How many people have never been cut from any sport they were tried out from? Wow. Hey, good for them. Four and zero, four state titles. Uh, right. Hopefully, they can build on it and do great yeah. things in life. Right. And yeah. you know what? Let's 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 segue this because you know winning and losing is a, a fine line. Uh, let's talk about game one of the NBA Finals. Uh, mm. oh. Boy, uh, living here in Columbus, a couple hours south of, of, of Cleveland, um, obviously a lot of our media, a lot of the people I follow on Twitter are Cleveland fans. Uh, maybe that's happened since LeBron got there because there just was not a lot of talk of NBA at all uh, in this town. But look, uh, a lot of Cleveland fans are angst. They're mad. They're angry. Uh, they're upset at the refereeing. They're upset at the, the way that game shook out. We, we saw one of the – arguably one of the best games we've ever seen in the NBA Finals in our generation, 51 points, eight boards, and eight mm. uh, assists by LeBron in a loss, uh, in, a, in a game that, that was much closer than I think we expected. It was a very entertaining game to watch. The, the, the scores went back and forth. The Warriors came out of second half uh, with their patented third-quarter run, but Cleveland kind of withstood it. Uh, LeBron was just unbelievable. Uh, he did get some help. Kevin Love, I think, had 21 and 10 maybe, or 21 and 12, I think. Um, but I guess we could just fast forward kind of right to the end there, guys. What, what, you know, what did you see from where you were sitting on, on what happened? And, and do you, did you, were you surprised by anything? Or, or what was your take on just game one? Bill? So I, I, I'll go right to the uh, – go, let's go right to J.R. Smith. I'll, I'll let, maybe Todd can handle the charge block. But, I, uh, you know, I – when he when he made that rebound and started dribbling it out, I want to I want to point out I'm not a professional NBA player. Never played professional basketball. Never played basketball at all in any kind of a league. At that moment in time, when he started dribbling away with the ball, I thought, "Oh my God, they're going to win! They're up!" I thought the same thing he did. I'm just a casual fan, but I didn't. It, it took me until an announcer or somebody said it was a, maybe when LeBron started kind of motioning to him. But when he started dribbling it out, I'm thinking, wow, okay, this is great. This, this game's over. Even I, you know, I mean, so it's, it's right. watching. And, and you've got someone with a score right in front of you. Exactly. It's right up there. But I was, he was so, he was so convincing in his motions. I'm like, oh, okay, great. They, they did it. I can't believe they won this game. <laughs> and then uh, obviously I was wrong. As wrong as Jr. was. Um, and, and, you know, I, I look, there's so much that happened in that last sequence and, and down to the level where I've even heard different people talking about it on talk shows that, that uh, Draymond had like a, a brutal lane violation on that second free throw, like completely missed by the officials. So it, it, there's all these different levels. I mean, Hill's got to make the thing for one. He's an sure, 8 free right? throw, right? So um, yeah, just a, a crazy end to a game that boy, if the Cavs could have stole that, it just would have made this a great series. Cause I think I heard one announcer say this, that it's not like they've got to win four out of the next six. It's really like they have to win five out of seven because they had, they had that game. They should have won that game. So they've mm-hmm. got to win five out of seven, not four. They got they got, they gave it's them. It's like when a pitcher strikes out four people in an inning, right? right. With the drop third strike or the, or the, 
the the fifth down by Missouri over Nebraska. You know, yeah, I, I yeah. agree. I agree. Todd, what was your uh, what was your biggest moment? <laughs> it was crazy. So, um, the beauty of sports is it's such a microcosm of life, right? So life isn't fair. Um, good things happen and to people who don't deserve it, and bad things happen to people that don't deserve it also. So if J.R. Smith does that at halftime, no one is talking about it, right? No. So timing is huge. Um, thanks to social media, you see they showed J.R. Smith, I think, earlier in the playoffs, <laughs> was literally out of bounds and not, like, paying attention. So this is twice where you're kind of, like, scratching your head saying, um, is this guy just – have a mental block. Uh, the biggest thing I read um, on, on Twitter is, yes, J.R. Reed had a total blunder, but as Bill alluded to, they missed a free throw to go yes. ahead by one, right? Yes. Um, so it's just unfortunate, um, especially if you're Cleveland, because you are scratching and clawing and trying to just find a win on the road just so you can go back home and maybe win the advantage back. Um that said, it was one play, and uh, the one play, especially at the end of the game, is magnified by 10, 20, 30, and this thing kind of defined the, the, the whole game, and I'm not necessarily sure that's fair, but that's reality, right? So Yeah, you know, Todd, as you said that, it's funny because, you know, I talk about this all the time in a, in a golf match or in a, you know, Ryder Cup or something like that, when, when someone bogeys the last hole, that bogey was the same as a bogey on the first hole. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It if they would have parted the first hole and the bogey on the last hole wouldn't have made a difference then. But it's it's the timing of everything, right? I mean, a, a strikeout in the first inning is just as important as a strikeout in the last inning. I mean, a, you know, it's so funny when you watch like a a game right now on June third or tomorrow night. There's a game gonna be a game in some town in the, in Major League Baseball where a team's just not gonna run out a, a base hit or and it could come down to their season being one game behind the leaders because they just half-assed a game on June 4th, you know, where they, where they didn't make a good strategic pitching change uh, in a game where they give up runs or injure somebody. It's just so many little things. It's, it's unbelievable. And that timing is everything, but boy, the, the, you know, and Cleveland's playing good right now. They're only down five right now in the, you know, in the midway through the third and golden state's in for a fight. And I just think, I don't know if that's LeBron willing his team. I don't know if that's, you know, uh, golden state being tight, but, you know, let's talk about that that play at the end, which was ended up being reviewed. How was that a charge? First of all, LeBron James comes in underneath the guy sideways. I mean, what we learn as kids is you got to be square between the the, the 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 guy with the ball and the basket, right? You got to you got to be planted and you got to be in a defensive position. And LeBron kind of came in and got hit in the shoulder, which clearly shows me he wasn't square. Um, so so that regardless, I, I didn't think it was a, a charge. I thought it was a foul on LeBron, a blocking foul. But, did you did you think that live, real time, or did yes. you think that on the replay? No, I mean as soon as it, as soon as he came in and got knocked down, I'm like, oh, that's got to be a, a, a block, a, a block. And then they called charge. I'm like, wait. And then they showed it from 16 different angles. I'm like, every time, like there was no angle where LeBron was, you know, like in the in the NCAA, right? The college, the way they call it. Once again, I know we're comparing apples to oranges because they call traveling and they call palming and they call double dribble and they call all these things. What was the first thing you said? They called what? <laughs> but, but they, but the, you know, the textbook position, you know, you're covering your family jewels, you're, you're square and you take the, you take the block and you're leaning and, back. Right. You yeah. Know? And almost every time, uh, if you're not square, it's, it's a, it's a block. Um, so when they show that, and then I didn't like that they reversed the call. I felt it was a bad call. 
but I didn't like that they reversed it. And, and yeah. the thing is they went to the, the review to determine if LeBron was in the restricted circle. Which he was not even. They clearly could tell on the first right. review that he wasn't. So they move on. And yet yeah. somehow they sat there for another, I don't know, 90 seconds, Todd's favorite mm-hmm. review time. And then they came back and said, nope, call reverse, which was weird because as Jeff Van Gundy was saying, it is a reviewable call if they're reviewing the circle. Wow. Not the not the charger block, right? And that was kind of frustrating, I think. That's where I can see it being, you know, and, and Todd, our you know, our our team, our team that we are passionate for, the Gators, you know, they got mm. they got jobbed by a lack of lack of a review, right, in softball. But, you know, that that, that then I think sent Durant to the line. He makes it the two. And that was the difference in the game, right? Because the Cavs yeah. would have been up by by they would be up by two with the ball with thirty two with seconds. the ball. Yeah. Right. There'd have been a foul. They'd have gone to the free throw line. Okay, you, you, you assume they make them both. They're up by four, which means it's a two-possession game. So, yeah, it would have been would, really tough for Golden State to come back and win that. So let's fast forward. So so the game goes into overtime. And at that point in time, you're thinking like, well, there goes Cleveland's chance because now they've you know they've got it. But they still – you know, and it starts out with a couple points. Uh, Golden State goes up four quickly in the, in the overtime and, and really kind of then just extended the lead. Hit, hit a couple big threes. The crowd got into it. I think your theory was they may cover after all. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I was actually yeah. thinking they might stretch out that thirteen point lead, and and uh, but I was you know from a fan standpoint, I was happy to see LeBron get his fifty because he was I think at forty seven at the end of regulation, um, gets fifty one, uh, but then at the end of the game, you know, kind of a meaningless three pointer as as the time's expiring, and Tristan Thompson goes over to, you know, casually block a shot that was just a you know, Steph Curry was taking kind of a wide open shot as the clock was expiring. And the referee very quickly whistled flagrant foul, threw him out immediately. And then the kind of the melee happens where the teams come together. Um, Draymond was Draymond. At, Draymond was Draymond talking smack. Yeah. Um, Tristan Thompson throws the ball back in his face. A little, a little scuffle ensues. Kevin Love clearly comes off the bench onto the floor. I think the NBA clearly realized that they – they made a bad call uh, on the either the review or something because the flagrant two by Tristan Thompson was reduced to a one. He was not suspended for game two. Kevin Love was not suspended for game two. Yeah, um, the game the game was over, right? Was the game? It over? was two two point four seconds left. Oh, okay, yeah. I'm trying to think. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. So it was just interesting, but the Kevin Love clearly came on the floor. Yeah. During the during the scuffle, uh, which is instantly suspended for for game two and the nba said well we're not gonna we're not gonna suspend him because he wasn't really in, involved in the fracas and there really wasn't a fight right so that's the other thing sometimes yeah. i think i'm not sure if it's just a if guys are just kind of you know i guess they can't leave the bench for anything but there was no fight uh, i'm going back to the suns game and you know mm, right what right. there was more of a melee than what, what we saw uh with game one so it was it was a i think we can all agree even though we're not None of us on this call, you know, Trey or Shay is Shay is out uh, at importantly unavailable on the call this week. But we're just three kind of lay, layman sports fans, you know, watching the NBA Finals, and we do a sports podcast once a week. It was a fun game to watch. I mean, there was some good act- action. LeBron is just it, it, it's almost like you know he's got twenty four, and then all of a sudden he's got forty seven. You know, yeah. Um, I don't think you you know maybe because there's just nobody else on that team that steps up, and then you're so mesmerized by watching Clay or Steph, mm. or Kevin Durant, um, you know, um, it, it really was a, 
a fun game to watch. I know there's a lot of angst for the, the Warriors being so good, but once again, go back and listen to this, this podcast 53 episodes ago. And <laughs> all three of us said it's probably going to be Cavs, Warriors, and I think we all predict, predict the Warriors to win, right? Yep. So, and then we're seeing tonight, once again, another challenging game. Uh, but, you know, Golden State keeping this one a little bit, uh, you know, up by what, eight at, at a break right now. Um, just kind of keeping it on distance, playing some good defense and really trying to extend the Cavs. And I think they're they're probably playing by the philosophy of let's let LeBron get his 35 or 40. Let's just not let Kevin Love or somebody else get 35 or 40, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and I, I still think, Sean, just to jump in, I think the Warriors win. Um, I think LeBron is awesome, and he's the best player of certainly of this generation. Um, but I've got, I, need, I, I think I need your help. I need to accept replay. It's not going anywhere, right? <laughs> I, just need to, I mean, this, this is the guy who, you know, uh, the good Lord willing had two children, and despite my friends pleading, we would not find out what the sex of the baby was until birth. I'm just that guy, right? I, I don't want to adapt to that technology. Um, and Sean, you alluded to it, and maybe we want to hit back it later, but Every sport, including the Little League World Series, has replay. Yes. But there's a little sport called college softball that does not have replay, right? Yeah. I don't know if you want to talk about it now or later. Um, I have a take, certainly, so I'll, I'll let you uh, – Yeah, let's, let's hit that at the end because it's, uh, it's unfortunate that uh, a good season – once again, I, I, I really – I'm on a bandwagon to not blame the refs. I'm a – you know – because we don't we don't credit the rest when we win. So I, I but but you're right. That was a uh, that was a game changing missed call. And look, whether we want to admit they're part of the game or not, you know, ideally, you know, especially Bill and your favorite sport, baseball, you know, the umpire should never be part of the game. Um, yeah. Yet yet we've seen it through history. There's always that one that whether it's with the calls they make or the the <laughs> actions they take or the way they antagonize the coaches or players. Um, basketball, we see it all the time. Uh, you know, with with especially in college. Um, where the the referees seem like they have to be part of the action, um, it's unfortunate that that there's three facets to the game. There's the the offense and the defense and the, and the referees, you know. And um, so let's let's come back to that. Um, hey, hey, anything else? Quick, in, Bill, yeah. let me let me geek out real quick. Baseball umps. Um, Lance Diaz is not popular, right? As uh, as far as being likable. And then is it Harvey Wendelstein who has the most exaggerated calls of all time? Is that well, it? no, it's Dutch Rennert was the Dutch guy. Rennert. Dutch Rennert. Yeah, oh, it. yeah. It was a strike. One. One. But, but it's it top of the first team. inning. Top of the first inning, one pitch. Every and he call. he does it all game long. Right? He was yeah. consistent. Yeah, he was super consistent. Oh, he wears you out though, right? Dutch, yeah, and you're thinking of Harvey, um, Harvey Wendelstein. Harvey Wendelstein, yeah. Yeah. And you go back and there were some uh, – I'm trying to think of other guys. Charlie Williams had a massive strike zone. Uh, oh, oh, Eric. Eric uh, Gregg. Eric Gregg was crazy oh. big, yeah. LeVon Hernandez won a playoff game against the Braves. I'll never forget. That, yeah. that strike zone kept getting wider. Yeah, Joe West was definitely wanted to be uh, a star, and so he took over a lot of games he shouldn't have. He had Paul Run- or Ed Rungi, who was, his nickname was God. I mean, he <laughs> was just – his son Paul was an uh, umpire for a long time, but Ed, uh, Ed was in his – he retired to, oh, probably in the – early 80s late 70s early 80s but he he just had this presence and a command of the game i think he was old school he didn't try to be a part of it yeah but baseball umpires have had their share of uh (laughs) bill i'm gonna dig dig deep on this name here was it steve palermo the ref that got shot yes uh you're right steve palermo yep 
Yep. And that was, that was one of the feel good stories, but I think yep. he was also, see Palermo was also the guy involved in the, um, uh, uh, Baltimore Orioles got a spit in his face. Yeah, Roberto Alomar played for the Padres for years and years, and then he still made it to the Hall of Fame. Um, he, he, he felt horrible about that afterwards. He, he knew oh, yeah. it was yeah. just way out of line, and yeah. he, he apologized for that every chance he could. But uh, yeah, Robbie will remember, No matter how many times he apologizes, we'll remember it, right? Yeah, my, my, my claim to fame is a 30-year-old, 30-something-year-old playing in a men's softball league. Um, I, I, I played a doubleheader in front of Roberto Alomar, who was in the stands dating the sister of one of the guys playing. So he showed up at our game. So think nice. about playing a recreational softball league with a future Hall of Fame second baseman uh, watching you. Wow, that's yeah. kind of cool. It sucked. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, just not kind of the same thing. Not not really, but um, I played in the I played in one U.S. Juniors uh, qualifier, and mm-hmm. it was at Muirfield Village, where the tournament ended today. Um, and I was, I think the, let's say I was the 1142 tea time. Uh, guess who was in the group behind me? A kid, named, a kid named Gary Nicholas. Um, <laughs> and so his dad was out watching him, nice. but his dad didn't want to be at his group. So he used to, he would drive his cart up to where I was and look back to watch Gary play. So you're staring and at Jack Nicholas. So I had Jack Nicholas watching me play the whole tournament. Basically, <laughs> that's was, awesome. Yeah. So I think so, after, I, after be- I turned in my 104 score or whatever I turned yeah. in, uh, yeah, it was a uh, one of those moments. But that's that awesome. Great opportunity. But uh, all right, guys, let's, let's let's move on. Let's talk about NHL. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the the three games in our belt. Uh, we had um, last week kicked off last week before our show and and or after our show was recorded um the spectacle of vegas took over uh before game one we had a 15 to 18 minute introduction we had actors we had uh cirque de soleil we had you know sword fights fights on the ice sword fights and then in game two game two we had a flyover on an indoor game uh i I tweeted you guys have you ever seen that before (laughs) no never flyover over over uh, an arena (laughs) never (laughs) never um, but game one was a, was a fun game to watch. Um, game one was kind of the, the consummate game one of a Stanley cup. If you're Gary Bettman and you are getting people that have never seen hockey, but they tune in cause it's the finals. Cause it was a, what, four to four game late into the, you know, then it came a five, four and then an open net gave him six to four win yeah. for, for Vegas. Um, and it's Vegas. It's not Las Vegas. It's the Vegas yeah. gold. Oh, that's right. Yes, they they do not have the loss in their name. I never put Um, that together. Yes, Um, and then and then game two uh, was a great game, uh, but uh, Washington wins that one. They go back and they have a very non-celebratory opening. Pat Sajak, (laughs) poor Pat Sajak, right? I know, right? Wearing his hoodie. but but tough act to follow. Here's the deal. I, I read somewhere the dude's he, he's he's been a king season ticket holder forever because they filmed that show in Vegas out in L.A. No, the Kings for L.A. The Kings, oh, Kings. LA Kings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then he's only been a season ticket holder for 13 years with the Caps, and he right. they bring him out. There wasn't somebody else who's been there. Yeah, before. it was it was not definitely many, not many popular people in Washington these days, right? So, that's true. Yeah, I guess. Pat, right. Other than Bryce Harper dropping the the you know. He he probably had a ball game to to play. I Wes know. Unseld was unavailable that night to uh wow. <laughs> to, to drop mean, a puck from the bullets. <laughs> yeah, was, yeah, that was something else. But it, it was quick and easy. And I'll tell you what though, I I love the national anthem. Uh, that the, the the two guys they got singing them for the Caps games, right? Yes, yeah, the two guys, two military or they, I think they're military or police. I'm not sure. The under one that right? Oh my gosh, a minute eight seconds. 
It is a, a stirring, awesome rendition of the national anthem that finishes in 108. Okay, what is, is it normally about 134? Normally, yeah, because I, I, I don't know if it's, it's become a habit of mine. Um, anytime a national anthem starts, I look at my watch. I, it, yeah. I time every single one. <laughs> I, learned that, I learned that two Super Bowls ago when I yeah. bet the over and you told me I was crazy. Because it was like, <laughs> it was like 221. And it was, um, who's the guy who's doing American Idol now? It was uh, Luke Bryan. Luke Bryan. Yeah, yeah. I think, and I may be wrong, but Bill's like, you're crazy. It's yeah. 202 max. And it was like 201. It was crazy. <laughs> yeah, You're on it. You're on I have a sense for the uh, the anthem. Everybody yeah. has their, their little things. So so the game last night was a good game. Boy, Brandon Holpe has been playing great in goal. Um, Flurry's been playing pretty good in, in, in goal for, for Vegas, but Holpe uh, played great. And and the first goal by Ovechkin was just, you know, they're peppering like four or five shots on yeah. goal, and Flurry's sliding left and sliding right, blocking with his arms, blocking with his blockers, blocking with his stick. And, and then that puck just kind of dribbles, and then you see Ovechkin leave his feet uh, to get it. in there. Yeah. And it was just, and then you know, Knetsov had two two more goals after that. Um, so Capitals with a two to one lead. Um, and and another night, home game, yeah, another home another game. home game. So tomorrow night's a really big game, really big game. I think so for game, yeah. yeah, probably probably more so for for Washington to be honest. I think Washington, you know, with the pressure on them, you know, they've got to win at home. They they struggled against your team, Bill, the, the Lightning. Yep. Uh, they struggled against Columbus. Uh, they lost, I think, w- well, they lost one of three home games against Pittsburgh. I think, I so, think they were like four and five at home through the, yeah. up to the, the win last night. So, or, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's critical. Um, and, and, you know, and they go up three, one uh, that all the pressure I think switches back to Vegas, right? I agree. The capitals have it. Um, but yeah, yeah they got to win. And I think if they if they can be up three to one, then they can go to Vegas and they can say, "Look, you guys can do your shenanigans and have your flying monkeys before the game, and you know we're <laughs> just going to come out and you know they don't have to get mesmerized by that, you know, because I think you know there there are you don't see it uh, happen to every team, but but Todd, you know we've seen it many times, you know when you go into the swamp at night and they the lights are on and they play the you know the, the video of the Gators in the swamp beforehand and you know home rank advantage, right? Yeah, it's a, you know you. You know, and there's plenty of places you go into where it's it's intimidating. You know, Penn State and Ohio Stadium, and I just love that Vegas is um, embracing this and is unapologetic. And although this is not traditional, we are going to make this as Vegas as possible. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I just love it. I think it's good for the game. Um, we can argue whether them winning the the cup is good for the game or not, but I think them just saying, "Hey, this is us. Uh, we're going to make it." Uh, glitz and glamour and, and showy. And I loved, loved, loved the Capitals' response. Hey, we're going to sh- send out Pat Sajak for 30 seconds because this isn't a show for us. This is hockey and this yep. is pure. <laughs> right. this is what we want. I mean, I loved it. I, I love both sides of it, depending on how you want to look at it. Yeah. yeah. No, no giant capital letter Ooh. comes out of this roof hey, that they skate through with smoke and things. Yeah, they're – We're here yeah. to play effing hockey. You yeah, guys I think can that's their, put yeah. on a show, and yeah. I think they played it very well. And I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if their PR team got together going, hey, we need someone big to introduce, but we're not making it a big deal. So yeah. – Maybe not. Maybe I'm overthinking it, but I loved it. I, yeah. I'll, I'll no, I thought, believe that's how they thought it. It was, it was truly a, a point counterpoint, you know, in, in different ways, you know? And so yeah. I just, you know, Vegas, you expect the Cirque du Soleil. I mean, it was honestly medieval times meets, you know, uh, you know, meets Cirque du Soleil. It was, you know, the, the, the guys fighting and it was so, 
it was so choreographed and everything was planned and the lights and the fire and the, you know, it's obviously been the opening for every game. I mean, that, that, that opening is for the entire season. I don't think that's just for the playoffs. That's really? That I didn't know. I guarantee you that's every game. The oh, two yeah. guys skating and, and sword there? fighting yep, everything? Yep, I'll guarantee you. That they and Michael up. Buffer every game? No, not Buffer. That'd be, that would be the one different thing they huh. did. But I'll bet you if you did some digging on it, um, that's their typical opening. Wow. That's your homework assignment, Bill. For the okay, next year. I'll, I'll confirm it. I'll make a call. Call your boss. <laughs> <laughs> and, and hey, real quick, uh, was uh, the Caps weren't a uh, member of the original eight, right? I don't think they. No, were. no, nope. They've been but around. They've been around a good long time. Forty-five or so. Forty. To okay, yeah. Years. So they they're they're legit yeah. old school, but not an original. Okay. And they've been in one other Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, they got swept by the Red Wings in '98. Uh, yeah. So. Uh, Troy was original eight. Yeah. Yep. Yes. That's our, hey, that's our next contest. Name the original eight. Oh, original six. Is it eight? No, no. I'm going to argue it's eight. It's six. So Rangers, Detroit, oh. Montreal, Toronto, Toronto, Boston, and Philadelphia. Okay. That's awesome. Yep. Nice. All right, guys, let's talk PGA. Happened in my backyard. Uh, we saw a good finish, uh, and I want to give shout out and kudos. Uh, I will criticize the PGA Tour meteorologists for predicting mm. and, and pushing the tee times up. It turned out to be an absolute beautiful Is that afternoon, right? evening yeah. here in Columbus. Uh, it would have been a great finish uh, to see happen in real time. Uh, I joked on Twitter, but I'm being serious. Uh, probably, I'm going to guess, a f- massively five-figure, possibly six-figure loss in beer sales. Uh, <laughs> it's such a nice warm day here in Columbus to see all the extra time. Uh, Bill, you know, when they, when they go to an early tee time, they do split tees and threesomes. Yeah. Uh, they do front nine, back nine, which means that at some point in time when the leaders are coming down 17 and 18, there's, there's middle of the pack guys finishing on eight, nine and the marshals and there's some fans out there and it just kind of eliminates the massive patron crowd on 16, 17, 18. It's got to kill the audience on television as well, because I didn't watch much on TV. I, I yeah. watched it online. You know, and yes. I, I simply, uh, you know, we, we, we figured out quickly as we came off the course that I looked at the leaderboard to get a sense. I'm like, oh, this doesn't look right because they're showing Tiger on the television in the bar at the course chipping yeah. at the practice screen. And I'm like, he's already through nine holes. Yeah, no, I will. I will credit CVS was very smart when they came on the air at 230, mm-hmm. which was going to be their start time window, which the guys would have been on the third or fourth hole. Uh, the leaders and they could have done the quick recap of what had happened up to that point. Yeah. They decided because the leaders were on 17 to just stick with the action right then and there. Perfect. Uh, basically saying like, if you're tuning in right now, you're seeing what is on the 17th hole. We're going to show you the rest of the round, but it's not going to happen. And then it turns out they got almost an hour and 45 minutes of, of live time with, with the two playoff holes right. and the really slow play at the end. But um, but I was watching on my laptop the whole time on CBSSports.com, yeah. uh, and they live streamed the whole day, you know, uh, and it was great. So I got to follow really the whole the whole nine. You know, it was an exciting week, and, and a couple of reasons why. Obviously, uh, there were some great pairings, uh, you mm-hmm. know, made for TV pairings, which we talked about last week. But Tiger, you know, starts out on the back nine on Thursday, and he goes four over. Or he birdies 18 to, to get back to 39 on the front and then comes back with a 33 on the, on the front to make uh, even par. And then he kind of goes on a little run on Friday and Saturday, got a little, little energy going. Uh, Bill, I'm sure you saw the, the spin back Eagle on, on 11. They showed yep. multiple times where he got the, kind of the first fist pump you've seen from him in a long time. Yep. Um, and, and just a, 
hitting fairways like it was nothing. Like old Tiger just yeah. striping the ball. It was beautiful. Uh, His approach shots putter, were on point. Hit, hit, and the putter, the putter just was wouldn't, wouldn't work. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's just, he's just like a uh, – He's like a lot of other golfers, huh, Sean? Sometimes you know he he he, hit, he hits it in on on for eagle on eleven is the featured group on on Friday. Uh, I believe that pulled him within two of the lead. Uh, he goes on twelve, the the kind of homage to to the twelfth hole at, at Augusta by Jack. Uh, beautiful, you know, kind of signature course at Muirfield Village. Tiger hits the flag as it comes over the flag stick and it stops five feet nine inches behind the hole, mm-hmm. and then they blow the horn for a, a weather delay. Mm-hmm. Hour and a half weather delay. He has to think about that five foot putt with a it's slight a left putt. to right break, yeah. right? And, but he's coming off an eagle. Birdie's there, and he's one stroke off the lead. Crowd's going crazy. So an hour and a half delay. Crowd's drinking, and it's Friday afternoon. Uh, and he comes out and he misses that putt. Thirteenth mm. hole, he hits three wood over the drive over the over the bunker, hits it three feet from the hole, misses that putt. Misses putt. <laughs> Fourteen, he makes birdie. 15, he struggles to make par, which is a easily uh, eagle, eagle, definitely birdie par five. It was just one of those rounds where you just couldn't get over that hump, Bill. And it's, it's, yeah. it's like most golfers, like you said, if you just can't make putts, your momentum is so thwarted, right? Because yeah. you're frustrated, you're hitting the ball well. He was putting the ball in the fairway, whether he hit driver or three wood or stinger. Uh, he hit that two iron a lot and he hit a lot today because his driver got loose. Um, but it was a, you know, Tiger, Tiger was he? He's close. He's really close. Mm. Just in time for maybe a tournament in a couple of weeks. Yeah, a couple of weeks. But you know, and, and <laughs> this is one. That I think a lot of people, you know, felt. Look, he's won five times here at Muirfield Village. Yeah. Um, it was a tournament for the taking. A lot of there was some other big names. Rory had a big day yesterday on Moving Day. Shot sixty four. Uh, Justin Thomas was up there. Ricky Fowler was up there. Justin Rose coming off his big win last week. Um, but. Let's go, let's go to today. Um, first of all, how about Jocko Neiman, nineteen-year-old uh, yeah. kid out of Chile? Uh, this kid's got some stones, man. I I, I like his. Did I like he his, get the exemption from winning the Chilean Open? Is that the same guy who played the Masters? Um, it, it is, but he turned pro after the Masters. Yeah, okay. he got the he got the exemption to the Memorial because of his. Uh, um, he, I, he I think he was the number one amateur in the world, um, and I'm not sure kind of what his entry was to the memorial i'd have to look that up to on what his invitation was but it was probably a special invite from jack um because of his status uh, but he's you know nick fowler was kind of giving him some crap on yesterday's telecast bill i don't know if you heard it but he was kind of th- saying you know this is a 19 year old kid and and he was quoted as saying this week someone invited someone said to him you know what's it like playing with these pros now and he's like well i've played five rounds so i think i'm ready to win now Ooh. like like he, he sort of just said that's it like youth, that's I, youth talk. Yeah, right? it's youth, right? And yeah. and he, he finished, you know, T five. Um, you know, he was in the lead today. Good at, day. At, at a couple points. Yeah. So my wife is a. Uh, I've learned over the last thirty plus years, she's an excellent judge of character, and she saw uh, Neiman on a couple holes, and she goes, "I hope he's not a, as, as big a jerk as he looks like." Wow. <laughs> and I went, oh, she hasn't met him, so it's not fair. But I said, oh, I hope not, too. But I'm thinking a young kid out of Chile, I'm sure he comes from money and wealth, right? Yep. More than likely to be as good as he is at golf that young. So he's, he's uh, my guess is he might have a little bit of entitlement to him. Mm. Not millennial entitlement, but I'm talking money. <laughs> Who does he remind you of that comes from that same mold? Let me, let me think. Uh, same mold. Uh, Spieth? 
Sergio. Sergio. Oh, Sergio yes. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. and look, it took it took Sergio a long time to I mean, remember the last right. time when you think about Sergio as a nineteen year old. What 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 do you picture in your mind? Oh, a tiger. Medina I think thinking he could be sprinting up. Right? Medina, him hitting the shot with his eyes shut, running mm-hmm. with a scissor kick to see where the ball goes, and just yep. that that swashbuckling, you know, right right out of the the line of of Seve and Jose Maria Olafable. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and, and this, Neiman, has, Neiman has a uh, kind of a looks like a homemade swing, right? He, he yeah. definitely has a he he is in a weird position at impact, yeah. but it works. He, Can't weigh more than 120 pounds. I mean, he's just a he's tiny feet, little kid. Six feet tall, 140. Wow. Think about it. He's six feet. That's the weird part, but he's only 140. Yeah. <laughs> six feet. He is thin. Yeah. So, just, <laughs> Justin Justin Thomas is, I think, 5'10, 150, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Hey, in all fairness, isn't that what we should love about these guys that they're so dumb with no perspective and no life experience <laughs> that they think, Oh, I've played five rounds. I should win. So, you know, and it takes maturity. It takes yeah. Sergio. Now we, you, a lot of people didn't like Sergio or finally liking him, not only because he won a master's, right. but right. he's grounded, married as a kid. He's a little more humble, but yeah, that said, he'll still get fired up at a press conference. Um, sure. So. And we, and we'll still root against him in, in September at the Ryder cup. Right. I mean, it's just that, you know, yeah, uh, it, it was fun. So anyway, it, it comes down to the back nine, uh, kind of a duel between four players. Um, it really came down to Kyle Stanley, who mm. at one point had the lead, and then he doubled twelve and kind of, kind of almost moved to the back of the back page. Um, Tiger kind of fell off with a once again another three putt on fourteen and on sixteen, um, and his you know his putting just let him down this week, so he was out of it. Uh, Justin Rose was kind of there, um, but Patrick Cantlay mm. and 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 uh, Bryson DeChambeau are kind of right there, and Ben Young Han uh, was 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 there, but never in the lead. Um, comes down to on fourteen, Kyle Stanley makes birdie as Cantlay and DeChambeau make bogey. On fifteen, Kyle Stanley drops in a fourteen footer sliding birdie putt. On sixteen, he knocks in a twenty five foot <laughs> downhill sliding birdie putt. On seventeen, he. The putt on 17, Bill, I don't know if you saw it, where he had to go up off the fringe and then it turned sideways. It was There was no way he could go at the hole. Right. He had to play it up, like, you know, if the if the hole was at, at 12 o'clock, he had to aim it at 7 o'clock. Sure. Have it stop and then run down a hill, and it went in for his fourth birdie in a row to tie for the lead. Mm. He, comes, he comes to the to – the, uh, and it can't lay, who for some reason hit a driver on 17 into the bunker – and had to hit a nine iron to get over the over the deep bunker that it is Nicholas Tipple Tipple Nicholas bunker and he comes up into the greenside bunker makes bogey to fall out of the lead now he's two strokes back so it's it's DeChambeau and Stanley Kyle Stanley 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 Kyle Stanley yeah all right so so it comes down to the 18th hole Stanley and DeChambeau are tied Ons in the clubhouse now one stroke back he needs these guys to bogey Kyle Stanley pounds a drive down the right side of the fairway. It's drawing back into the fairway bill. And it's one that we've had and Todd, even you, you've had it in your more than, uh, more than you guys have more than us, but <laughs> the announcers as, as the shot track shows the ball, you know, pipe down the right side of the fairway. And all of a sudden Peter Costas, who's covering it for CBS on the ground, you hear it, but you're not sure what it is. And, and Peter Costas goes, Oh, it just hit the tree and bounced 45 yards backwards towards the Creek. Mm-hmm. And it and went, it, found the it, creek. Yeah. it hit the creek and it went all the way back. Didn't go in the creek, but goes in this super thick, gnarly rough, 208 mm-hmm. yards from the green to an uphill 
bunker covered green, which there's no way he can get to. The the rough was unbelievable this week. Um, and no one at the team knew it. I don't know if you saw Bill, if you were watching at that point, but they walked up to the fairway and, and Kyle Stanley walked to the tree thinking his ball was gonna be right near it. And now yeah. it's like, no, you're over there. <laughs> and his face like completely changed. Yeah. Like he walked up thinking like, all I gotta do is hit it closer than the Shambo and I'm going to win this tournament. Yeah. I'm coming off four straight birdies. And he walks 45 yards back and sees his ball just sitting down in this most gnarly rough. And he, he has instantly has to say, I, I've got to lay up. I've got to, you know, hit it short. Uh, long story short, he hits it short. DeChambeau then hits it way on the right side of the green, has to hit a 85-foot putt, you know, with a massive break on it. it leaves it way short, ends up three-putting. Stanley almost chips in, hits the hole and the pin on his fourth shot, doesn't go in, uh, and, you know, it was just a uh, three-way playoff, Stanley on and DeChambeau. Stanley gets knocked out on the first hole after hitting in the rough again on a massive side hill lie. Uh, on and DeChambeau get up and down for their pars. And then on the second playoff hole, DeChambeau makes a birdie downhill. Big, big finish. And uh, for, the, for the kid that has some detractors but has some fans because he is that scientific, very – play it by the numbers type guy, right? Yeah. He's kind of unorthodox too, right? A little bit. Extremely. Like, he doesn't kidding? bend his arms at all, it, it, does he? Todd, uh, every iron, every iron in his bag is the same length. Okay. Think about that. Right. <laughs> the three iron is, is the same length as the nine. Pitching pack. wedge. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a whole philosophy and um, thought of study. and His putting has zero degree loft and, he wears and a zero degree bend. Too, right? yeah. He wears the Ben Hogan hat. <laughs> his putter is – he holds it against his arm. So he's, he's very straight when he puts. And there's no, there's no, uh, it's like, it's, there's no f- putters typically have a little bit of give in the shaft. It's yeah. like zero. Stiff. It's the stiffest shaft ever. Yeah. Like, there's no feel whatsoever in that putter. It's all mechanical. And that's just yeah. what he does. So. Now, you know, between him and Cantlay, they did get put on the clock on the 13th hole. And I think yeah. that kind of threw Cantlay off a little bit. He says he didn't. He says he didn't in his post-game Who interview. with Cantlay or DeChambeau? Cantlay yeah. and DeChambeau both. Cantlay doesn't waggle, but he sets his feet about 30 times before a shot. Wow. He Sergio's he, a little bit? Yeah, well, he yeah, he kind of – but he doesn't waggle like Duffner yeah. or Sergio. He just kind of – he just sets his feet back and forth. And it just Take got to be right? so annoying. Yeah. yeah. And it was, you know, um, so next week they go to Memphis for the St. Jude. And that's, uh, that's where I have a question for you. I don't mean to interrupt Sean, but um, first of all, Stanley's had trials and tribulations in the past, right? He blew a tournament and then won the next. Blue exactly. Yeah. He, he, he sucked it backwards Tory. off the 18th hole at, at in the, into the Devlin's billabong, right? Is that so you, you heard Devlin. that first. My, my bet for next week is Stanley, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if he's playing, is he playing at the St. Jude? Probably. I don't know. Probably. I don't know, but yeah. You bring up the St. Jude. Did that – the St. Jude be such a charitable – it's the face of the PGA. They donate so much money. Did that have anything to do with the tournament in Muirfield saying, we need to get this in early on Monday because it's such a, a, a big – uh, showing because of the charity event, or is that? Am I not? No, I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you why I think part of it was. I, I do think you know the storms were coming, and to be late. Here's what the probably the biggest reason why if they would have had to push to a Monday finish is such a big deal in Columbus, because tomorrow here in Columbus is the U.S. Open qualifier, which will mm-hmm. ha- have the most spots 
available for Shinnecock because it's in Columbus. There's probably a, a massive number of the field that, that aren't already qualified for the U S open will be playing. Adam Scott's playing. It sometimes happens at my home course, but it's going to happen here at, at Brookside and the lakes. They play 36 holes. And so there's a ton of top level golfers that, that, you know, um, need to show up and, and play tomorrow. And, and, you know, is your home course Scarlet or gray? Uh, home course is the Ohio state golf club. There's a Scarlet <laughs> and gray course out there. I, I, I play better on gray. <laughs> Scarlet is the harder. It's well documented for your Twitter followers. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. So in, by the way, I was driving a lot on Thursday and Friday. They, the PGA, uh, uh network two eight on, on Sirius said, for whatever reason you alluded to it earlier at last show, you always get weather uh, for this tournament for, yep. for whatever reason, time of the year um, for sure. But I'm sure the history of the bad weather may have influenced that decision also. It, Todd, I'll tell you what, it, it, um, you know, it's this time of year, it's thunderstorms, it's, you know, the, the, the pop-up storms. Um, if it wasn't for Jack and if it wasn't for the quality of the care that the players get, you know, one of the best clubhouses, the famous for the milkshakes. They, they, they move they, it. Every every player gets Lexus. Well, I I, I think I think people wouldn't show up. Yeah. Um, but it, it's perfectly yeah. timed on the on the tour for a great test going into the U.S. Open week. A lot of guys will take off next week. Not a lot of the big names will play in Memphis, um, especially this year because to go from Columbus, you know, yeah. west to Memphis, then back to New York, is just not conducive, especially for the caddies who are pr- mostly driving. Uh, mm. You know, following the players in their cars. Um, it's just not conducive, but, uh, you know, and, and, and just watch, I think we saw it with Byron Nelson. We, we're going to see it over the years now with, with, um, Arnold Palmer passing away. Um, they, you know, yeah. are people going to start skipping that week? Now the PGA tour did a great thing and they put extra Ryder cup point or extra FedEx points on the, uh, on the Bay Hill, um, you know, to keep people there. We talked about this before. Golfers do a super good job on uh, honoring um, their legends in the past. Yeah. Right? So, um, but you know what's funny, Todd? Is I was thinking, so many of those guys in the final pairings, Bill, they look at Tiger as their as their role model, not Jack. They know who Jack is. The generational they, thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's you know, and I think there's 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 kids out there that you know that don't know who Bill Russell and Oscar Robertson are, but they do know who Michael Jordan is and like Larry Bird. And, and magic, you know, and, and, you know, don't forget magic and Larry bird were four or five years ahead of Jordan, you know? So they, you know, so four we five, didn't they know, were three and a half years. Yeah. We didn't know who Bill and Oscar were other than our dad. No, we knew the but, names, but yeah, yeah, but yeah, we saw, we saw highlights of Bob Cousy and his short shorts, you know, and the, and the you know, the pistol Pete. I mean, those yeah. are all old guys that our fathers and older brothers may have talked about. Yeah. So it's such a generational thing, but you're right. I think that the golf, you know, because think about this, so many of the courses they've played have been designed by Arnold Palmer, Jack Nicholas, you know, um, you know, you know, Nicholas, I think is over 700 courses around the world. Mm, Tiger Woods is designing courses now, Hale Irwin, all those, those players. So um, guys, let's Bill. I I wanted to go to you. Give us a little French open update. Sloan Stevens, I think is still alive. Yeah, um, yeah, big big match tomorrow. Big match so, tomorrow. Can yeah. I see Thunder? Yeah, go for it. Serena versus Maria, right? Correct. Sharapova, Williams. It's gonna Ooh, be Ooh, really? Yeah. What time is that? Is that uh early morning? You know, I don't know the actual time. Ask Cindy, uh, I'm sure she knows. Yeah, trust me. If, <laughs> if it's if it's while she's at work, she'll be listening to it. Yeah. <laughs> she'll have the earbuds in listening to the uh tournament. 
but yeah, Nadal's on track. He's doing his thing. Uh, Djokovic is still hanging around. Um, but it's going to be fun to, and you know, Serena, uh, Sharapova beat Pliskova, which was a big win yesterday, but to, to see those two facing each other, I think they're both, uh, unseated players. <laughs> so, you know, Serena, because wow. of the time off, yeah. yes, yeah, so neither one of them are seated, uh, and meeting the earliest they'll, they've ever met, uh, in, in a major. So it's going to be interesting. Maria's 28 seed. Oh, okay. Uh, Serena's unseated. It's 10:30 a.m. Bill Eastern. Okay, cool. Yeah, uh, I will not be able to watch it. I'm sure it'll be taped. Yeah, uh, so if they need something fun. So this is in the this is quarterfinals for the ladies. Fourth yeah. round. Fourth yeah, fourth round. round. Yep. So there's because they, they started 128 players in the tournament. Oh, so they do. Okay, uh, they go they go seven. You got to win seven turn uh, matches, not six. Like and who's playing well on the men's side? Oh, Nadal probably. Yeah, Nadal. Dominic, Dominic team is still. He's going to be the guy probably that uh, gives Nadal the biggest trouble. He's a who's great, that? Great. Uh, a Dominic team. Really good. Okay. Uh, a really good clay player who's beaten Nadal this year. Uh, I think he beat him in Rome or somewhere somewhere in the clay season. So he's a good player. We'll see. Hey, but but for the ladies out there. For the ladies out there who loved really tall guys, Del Porto is playing Isner tomorrow at 9.30. <laughs> so that's eye candy awesome. central for the girls who that's like awesome. the big boys. So. <laughs> that's funny. Hey, and I, I want to I um, quick shout out to the uh, U.S. Women's Open, right, Sean? Uh, yeah. Really, uh, her name is Aria. Uh, I can't pronounce it. Jitanagarn. Jitanagarn, yeah. That's Aria, easy for you. Aria Jitanagarn out of Thailand. Uh, had a seven-shot lead at the turn today. Mm. Triple bogey 10, bogey 11, bogey 17 and 18, to, 17, fall 18 a, yeah. to fall into a tie with Hun Yoo Kim, South Korean, who's uh, had some success on the tour, won a major or two. She went 600 today. I mean, she had a good she, round. Uh, she made a couple of putts in the 70, 80-foot range. To somewhat, yeah. you know, she, it not only required Aria to, or Aria to fall back, but someone had to reach out to her, and she was there, so. Uh, but then to see the uh, four-hole playoff and uh, and area ends up winning the event, that was great. So congratulations and, and to her you, for not letting it, not not folding completely. It was great. Yeah, and you can't go back, but um, I think I we pre-game we talked, uh, Kim missed a, a very makeable birdie on 17. That at the time was kind of on the benign side, you know. Who yeah, knows? she was two shots back or whatever, and it really got her to one shot. She doesn't oh boy, know. Boy, that would have won the tournament. She didn't know she'd oh, yeah. bogey uh, 17, yeah. 17, 18. Go I'm with it. you, Bill. Um, you hate to see a player collapse seven strokes. Oh. So uh, Do you, good for her way, to win in the playoffs. By right? the way, watching her, she has a three iron, Sean, that she pipes about 240, 250 down the <laughs> Three iron. <laughs> And did you see they kept showing her sister and mother yes. on the sidelines? And her mother lived and died with every miss, her hands, yep. her head. And the sister was just so stoic. Just well, she's a player. She can tell. She's, yeah. She played today. Like so inside, was, inside, I'm sure it was killing yeah. her. But the mom was, yeah. the emotions were on the sleeve. Yeah. Sure. It's so. just typical. Parent, it's, you know, it's, uh, Sean's got to experience it in the world of golf. You experience it uh. across, but it, there's nothing worse than watching, you know, your son oh. hit a bad shot and you just, yeah. it, it, it just tears away from the inside, but you, you just gotta, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, you, you can't let him see it. I, um, you know, Rhonda's not a golfer. She's so she, when she goes out to watch the kids play, she's out there as a mom yeah. and doesn't understand Fresh the game. Perspective, right? Doesn't understand the game. Right. Yeah. And so we can't walk together because I'll, 
I'll huff and puff or I'll say, Oh, we should have made that putt or I'll, yeah. I'll at least gesture. And, and so I've, I've started going out now to Ryan's matches and I, I wear my headphones. I listen to podcasts or music and I wear usually sunglasses and I just go stand at the other end of the, of the fairway just to try and not, cause I don't want Ryan to look up and see me kicking, you know, or say, yeah. you know, getting frustrated. It's, it's tough. It's really is tough. And it's, it you is. Know, it's, it's hard. Um, Even when I play with Kev to this day, um, I'm rooting for him to make every putt. And when he misses a putt, I might make a noise or an audible sound. Right. He gets pissed off. He goes, I can't hear that. <laughs> Sorry, Kev. I just, I want everything to go in, you know, it's uh yeah. So yeah, you root for him. I was watching Scott yesterday and day play lacrosse, totally different team, more of a team game, but I, and Sean, you, you and I talked about a little bit through uh, headspace. I kept reminding myself to, and I think Shay is, as referred to as trust the process I kept saying, focus on the execution, not the result, right? Yep. If he does everything well and makes right play, it doesn't mean it's going to turn out well. Yeah. And conversely, just be things, because things turned out well, was it lucky? Was he doing all the right things? So mm-hmm. I, I was focusing on the – I try to focus on the execution, not the results. Golf's got to be the same way, right? Oh, if you, look. If you read I, a play – Bill, we talked about that on the putting, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You get where you want to – Yep, it's a Let perfect putt. Ball, right? If yeah. you hit it exactly where you thought the line was and the speed you wanted to you hit, you can live with a miss, right? You can live with a miss. But but by the same token, have I made putts I thought I pulled the crap out of? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it happens. You know, I, I had a total misread, hit a crappy putt, and it went in. Eh. You, yeah. you just got to keep, keep trying. It's like one of those ones where you're watching a college basketball game, and you're like, don't shoot that. Good shot. Yes, good shot. <laughs> no, 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 yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right yeah sure. hey guys uh nothing happened in really in major league baseball i think that that um you know we're in the middle of middle of uh starting june um braves are in first but uh, braves are in first man still excited did, did to see nationals, right? nationals caught them this week but the braves pulled, yeah, they, they won less too there's okay, a walk gotcha. run yesterday and gotcha they won today yeah. yeah but no no hitters no nothing nothing really major uh in the week uh you know todd as we mentioned gator Women's softball out after a, a nice nice run, um, but they they won game one and then lost uh, a, a very controversial game two to UCLA. They had bases loaded, uh, one out, uh, girl at the plate popped up, foul territory, out number two That's is recorded, third base, yep. third base, girl on third base tags and runs home. The throw beats her, replays all show that she was tagged out on the backside before the and the umpire was out of position, called her safe. Um, no review. Uh, so there's two outs now, runners on second and third. And the next girl up hits, hits a three-run homer to tie the game. Uh, Florida gets kind of rattled after that. Our coach gets thrown out um, for coming out to question something that happened. Um, th- then all of a sudden the ref starts – or the umpire starts calling some really wide strikes, very questionable uh, strikes. It was a very frustrating game. But, look, it, Gators are out. Uh, it's been a good run. Uh, Gator baseball is still in it, so we got that uh, to look forward to. And the Florida State uh, Seminoles got knocked out in the uh, in, in the in the regionals at their home court. Home, dramatic, home, home, yeah. yeah, very dramatic. Uh, Mississippi State with a walk off three run homer in the bottom of bottom of seventh. So no Sean, get, get back to get back to softball. I actually love. There's no replay. Um, of course, a little tongue in cheek there. But my biggest problem with that wasn't the blown call. And, Bill, you can appreciate it being a baseball guy. The guy was totally out of position. Oh, my God. Happens. He, it happens. He, he chased after the, the pop-up, even right. though they have outfield umps yeah. for these games, right? So And a third base ump. 
So he didn't need to chase. And then he was up the third base line. And you know what? He actually made the right call because if you can't see it, you can't assume you're out, right? Maybe if the ball beat it by a mile, but it was bang, bang enough where I feel like he had to call her safe, but replay showed she was obviously out. But again, the, what sticks in my craw is he was so out of position. It was how far, how far up third baseline? Was he over halfway towards third base? or just Almost, yeah. wasn't, over, wasn't over halfway. I, okay. I wouldn't say that. But he was on the wrong, he needed to be on the first base side with the view. He was on the, the was coming down. Yeah, he was on the third base side about a quarter. The body. Yeah, so the catcher ended up being between the, the catcher was between the player, the sliding player, and the umpire. Yeah. So so when the tag happened, it was totally behind the player. So and listen, he's a professional. He's got to know there's a tag possibility. He's got to know there's a third base in. I'm saying there's an outfield ump. I'm not positive about that. But that said, let's assume there's not an outfield ump. That's the third base ump's call. I think he's got to know there's a run third and be in position to, to, to call. Them. And usually when a home plate umpire leaves home plate, there's a rotation from another umpire that tries to get there, but not for a pop-up. I mean, yeah, I the, see the, that the first base ump probably was like, where is he going? Like, he, yeah. you know, it wasn't yeah. question. It yeah. wasn't a deep in the gap. He's got to run yeah. down the line. It was, you know, Interesting. Just, yeah. So anyway, uh, I just hate that he was out of position. Yeah. You know? So anyway. Well, Golden State's putting game two away, uh, as would be expected. They're up by 23 with a minute left. Yeah. You know, the, the starters for Cleveland is on their bench resting. Uh, we'll see what happens in game three. I, I expect a animated, uh, feisty crowd in Cleveland. Um, after game one, they felt got stolen from them uh, by the NBA. Uh, there's not a lot of love in Cleveland uh, for, and really around the NBA for the cockiness or the arrogance of, of Golden State. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what happens in game three. It's a, obviously a big one because if, if they go down 3-0, um, you know, it, there's, there's really no chance, uh, you know, a win in game two or in game three gives them a chance in game four to even the series. Um, let, let's go on with our week. Uh, Todd, what do you got coming up this week? Congrats on the save of the, of the big, uh, the big sale down in South Georgia. We're proud of you for that. Um, what's going on with you this week? Yeah, really, really happy to just, uh, ride the momentum of that. Um, and, uh, I'm going to throw it back to sports. Uh, just a, a great weekend watching my son play lacrosse. And I, I'm truly a believer. You do the right things. You, you do things right. Good things will happen. Not always the case, um, but it was just great to not only see him uh, and his team play hard, have a great day yesterday, battle adversity, playing uh, poorly today, and then winning their their consolation game to, to, to finish third. Um, proud of my son, and gosh, I, I said it before, proud of my daughter, just willingly wanted to go hang out, support the team, uh, be together, and then and, and mom turns 81, so... It's one of those uh, family and good things are going to happen are going to carry me over to uh, doing the good things uh, this, this week at work. I think life transcends. Uh, when, when life is good personally, it's good professionally, and I think you have to work on both equally uh, to succeed. So um, just excited to, uh, to, to close some sales uh, here in Georgia and, uh, and grateful that we have this Sunday night to, to talk sports. Uh, really enjoyed it tonight. Awesome. Bill, what's going on with you, man? I enjoyed the uh, episode last week. Uh, you're coming up on a 150 soon, aren't you? Yeah, uh, this episode 144 is coming up uh, this Tuesday. Wow. It's, yeah, wow. <laughs> it's a three years. dozen. 
I still remember a hundred. You delayed a hundred for like eight weeks trying to. Man, I was trying to get some. Uh, yeah, and, a big hit. Now we're at one forty-four. It's amazing. Yeah, it doesn't take long. Time flies. It's going to be uh, two guests that previously, like episode thirty-seven and episode fifty-eight. I, I interviewed them individually, but they've they're the they're the the brains behind the Seabock team. Jeff Seabock and Phil Sexton. Mm. Really, two really smart guys. Sean had the opportunity to, to visit with them uh, out in Good Arizona. Dudes. Yep. Yeah, really nice guys. We're going to talk about what they're doing together as a team. Uh, they're crazy successful. They're the number one uh, realtor group in Maricopa County. They're number one with Realty One Group nationwide, just doing fantastic stuff. And so it's and they're very funny guys. I, I even say in my opening that I, I'm fully aware I'm about to lose control of my own show, and I do lose control of my own show <laughs> yeah, for like the first time. So they lived up to the hype. They uh, they took over, and I just kind of tried to keep them, you know, in check when I could. But um, you'll, you'll you'll Sean, you'll like it a lot. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah I'm headed down to Sanibel for a day to teach at their association. Talk about some Google tips and tricks and tools. That's one of my for you, Sanibel, huh? Yeah, I'll be in Sanibel for the day. I'll, I'll be at the. Uh, Greater Tampa Realtors Association talking about cybersecurity and wire fraud. Not so, not as exciting as Google, but really super important in our world. Yeah. So that's uh, intermingled with a lot of uh, appointments with the sales team. We had a nice sales meeting last week to recommit to uh, setting appointments, right? You know how important mm. that is, right, Todd? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we're working hard on that. And that's, uh, that's our week. Hey. It's it's only a dream until you put it in writing, right? Yeah. Um, you could exactly. have great intentions. I'm going to do this, 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 but until you make the commitment. Yeah. That's and it awesome. forces you to be good. Yeah. I yeah. like it. Well, good luck. Have fun at Sanibel. Uh, guys, for me, it's uh, got, got some fun fun week ahead. I'm um, in the middle of working a couple contracts right now with, with some buyers. Got one that kind of fortified over the weekend. Got one that I'm negotiating going into tomorrow. We're in a multiple offer situation. So, uh, hopefully my my girl comes out on top. Uh, we get her in a place. Uh, get to speak with the Columbus Mortgage Bankers Association uh, this week. Going to be doing a little presentation to them on the DNA of success. We're going to talk about the twenty three markers of of a uh, successful uh, salesperson. Uh, my daughter Riley is going to come and, and uh, witness that presentation with me. Um, and then uh, just just trying to to work with some other. Uh, sellers and buyers that are getting their houses ready and uh, just getting something scheduled. So should be a good week. I uh, also going to meet with a, a, a friend of mine who reached out to me for some Twitter help, Bill. Uh, mm. She wants to take her Twitter game to the next level. So uh, she, she is starting to see that there's a little more value in it than just uh, going in there and, and, uh, and, you know, putting up a few words or a silly meme. Uh, now and then there's great opportunities to build relationships, solve problems, and you guys have, have fun, right? Yeah. yeah. So, Hey, on behalf of Todd down in coming Georgia, Bill Risser down in St. Pete, Florida. I'm Sean Carpenter, Columbus, Ohio. Thanks as always for listening to The Stare Down.